0: Chapter One of That Affair at Portstead Manor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Edson Locke. Chapter One All on Account of a Necklace the chances are that had the honourable archibald clavering suspected what adventures would befall him at portstead manor and what a sorry figure he would present in most of them he would never have left his correct bachelor chambers in mayfair to join lady ursula's house-party held in the ancestral home of the sylvesters portstead manor was one of the finest old elizabethan houses in england a great rambling irregular structure of carven oak and painted plaster with towers and turrets gabled roofs ivy-festooned chimneys and quaintly projecting upper stories round about the mansion stretched lawns and terraces and wonderful gardens encircled by a vast park of noble old trees in the midst of which was a large lake where the limpid-eyed deer came to drink beyond were acres of rich meadowlands bordered by dense dark woods an abode of historic interest and placid charm was portstead manor and the last place in the world where one would expect to meet mystery and tragedy it all began with lady pevensey insisting upon sending to town for a priceless family heirloom in the shape of a magnificent diamond necklace with this she meant to dazzle the eyes of portstead gentry at the first ball held there since the manor was given to lady ursula by her brother at the time he came into his title that was over ten years ago when lady ursula remonstrated with her guests for running such a risk so needlessly lady pevensey replied that she should feel perfectly safe with the necklace since mr clavering was of the party now the honourable archibald was a disciple of sherlock holmes in an amateur and theoretic way that is he understood that remarkable person's methods but had never had opportunity to put them into practice this tribute to his latent detective powers flattered him and moreover as he was plagued by a tender sentiment for the payer of it he was at once set on his mettle and assured lady pevensey that she could wear the necklace with absolute security so good of you dear mr clavering she exclaimed with a gushing enthusiasm that advancing years she owned to forty-five could not quench otherwise i should almost feel obliged to have a detective down to watch it it is really a great responsibility the necklace arrived on the afternoon of the day the ball was to be held it was guarded on the journey by lady pevensey's family solicitor and her companion mary gray lady pevensey apologized to her hostess for introducing mary grey into the household but declared that the girl was indispensable to her why i did not know that you had a companion remarked lady ursula in surprise oh i haven't had her long and lady pevensey changed the subject now that the necklace had arrived mr clavering felt to the full the responsibility of his position as guardian of its safety he saw it borne upstairs in impressive state by lady pevensey attended by mary grey And he then decided in the bare event of anything untoward happening that it would be just as well for him to become somewhat acquainted with the habits of the household in view of what did happen, he later took no little credit to himself for this foresight. His fellow guests he passed by with scarcely a thought. They were well known to him, and let it be confessed, Mr. Clavering had the failing of most amateur detectives. He could not see beyond preconceived opinions. Trouble then, if there should be any, must come from the servants the staff of servants was remarkably small for so large a house as portstead but then it was a distinct innovation for the manor to be open to guests lady ursula had always kept her town-house for such gatherings and her country residence merely as lady pevensey put it as a shelter for broken-down old servants she had only opened it now at the urgency of her brother the earl of portstead before leaving for what was believed to be a secret diplomatic mission although he called it a pleasure trip down the nile had wished to spend a few days with friends at portstead manor his sister had yielded to his wishes she generally did on this occasion she had increased the staff of servants by a butler three footmen and two under-housemaids the others were real old family pensioners and from what the head gardener told Mr. Clavering, resented the intrusion of guests, and, more than all, of the new servants. Mr. Clavering also learned from the gardener that the new butler had departed that morning after two days' service and without giving notice. That accounted, then, for his absence at luncheon, and for Lady Ursula's worried and distraught manner. Mr. Clavering had taken particular notice of Thompson, the butler, There was a smouldering fire in the fellow's black eyes which belied the impassivity of the British servant, and he obviously chafed at receiving orders. Evidently a man who has seen better days, was Mr. Clavering's inward comment. Moreover, there was a hint of something familiar in the thin, dark, frowning visage of Thompson. Where and under what circumstances had he met this man before? After dinner, and before the portstead gentry began to arrive for the ball, mr clavering went down the circular stairs from the west wing into the great vaulted library for a half-hour's contemplation this somberly splendid apartment with its deep leaded windows its massive carven furniture and its darkly wainscoted walls lined with bookshelves reaching to the ceiling had not been prepared for the coming guests and was illuminated only by a few softly burning tapers whose shadowed light had a soothing effect upon mr clavering's excited nerves Although he would not admit it even to himself, his responsibility was beginning to weigh upon him. In books, at least, diamond necklaces had such a deucedly unpleasant way of disappearing. He had several such cases in mind, and was laboriously recalling the manner of their recovery when Mary Gray glided into the room and, passing quickly to the outer door, went down into the gardens. Mr. Clavering looked after her with interest. She was a young woman of perhaps twenty-eight or nine, tall and slender, with brown hair simply coiled in her neck, large brown eyes, and a very pale face. She wore a simple gown of soft, clinging gray. Indeed, simplicity was the keynote of her appearance. A studied simplicity, Mr. Clavering decided, but he mentally pronounced her attractive, and was about to stroll into the gardens, the moon was just silvering the trees of the park, when Lady Pevensy rushed down the circular stairs in a state of violent hysterics so violent that her negligee was flying open and her switch, loosened at one end, bobbing wildly over her powdered nose. The necklace, Mr. Clavering, she fairly screamed. The necklace has been stolen. What? he gasped, leaping to his feet. His great opportunity had suddenly come. End of chapter 1